6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Yesterday marked the seventh day of the January 6th hearings and focused on what role former U.S. President Donald Trump played in assembling the mob that descended on the Capitol. Now, U.S. House investigators tried to lay out the origins of the violence at the U.S. Capitol using video testimony and live witnesses to describe former President Donald Trump's call to action in a December tweet. Global News Washington Bureau producer Reggie Cicchini has been following it all. Reggie, welcome back to the show. Afternoon. Oh, you're, I'm having troubles hearing you, Reggie. Are you there? Afternoon. Hi. You know what, uh, Reggie, I think I'm going to get you to hang up and maybe call back on the phone. It sounds like the Opal line is uh, is down uh, a little bit there. We'll, we'll get a, a better line with Reggie Giacchini, but some interesting testimony and interesting um, words uh, said yesterday, in, in, including from an ex-Trump supporter, whoops, by the name of uh, Stephen Ayers, who, who talked about his participation in the mob. Take a listen. Mr. Ayers, when you entered the Capitol uh, last year, did you believe that the election had been stolen? At that time, yeah. You know, everything that I was, I was seeing online, um, I definitely believed that that's exactly what that was the case. And when uh, you heard from President Trump that the election was stolen, how did that make you feel? Oh, I was, you know, I was very upset, um, as were most of his supporters. Um, you know, that's basically what got me to come down here. Why did you decide to march to the Capitol? Um, well, basically, uh, you know, the president, you know, got everybody riled up, told everybody to head on down. So we basically were just following what he said. All right. So that was ex-Trump supporter Stephen Ayers, who, who was a part of that mob uh, on uh, January 6th. Uh, we're back with Reggie Giacchini. Reggie, uh, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon. All right. Let's start with the end of yesterday's hearing first, when Liz Cheney disclosed that after the last hearing last week, the former president tried to call a witness from the investigations uh, who has not made an appearance in the hearings. Uh, startling news. It's startling news, but it also follows a pattern, Jalen, because we've also heard in prior testimony that members of the former Trump administration had also reached out to people that had testified, including Cassidy Hutchinson, who was uh, kind of a senior level member within the chief of staff's office. So this is something that's happened before. But given the fact that this is now the committee saying that the former president potentially partook in witness intimidation or witness interference and that they have notified the Department of Justice, that is a big step here. Does that mean it's a criminal referral? Does that mean that this is going to open up either a secondary or join a concurrent investigation uh, at DOJ? That's still to be seen, but it is a huge deal to, to find out from this committee that the former president at the active center of these hearings is doing what he can to ensure that people don't talk. There was a lot of uh, effort yesterday in 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 tying uh, the the words, the the tweets of former President Trump to the actions of those who gathered. And and we just heard from Stephen Ayers, a, a former Trump supporter, who said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I was I was angry when when I heard things, and we just you know the president really kind of riled us up, and I was following him, what he told us to do. We also 
also heard from uh, a member of the Oath Keepers as well. How did that all tie together with what they were saying about what their actions and how they were directed, for lack of a better word? I think that this speaks to the power of the bully pulpit that Donald Trump held when he was the president in that uh, there was this ability for him to um, mobilize people, even when what he was telling them was based on a full blatant lie. The fact that he was able to get so many people riled up, he was able to get so many people drawn into this fake narrative that he was pushing out about election fraud really goes to show just how powerful uh, that position was. But as we heard uh, from the member of the Oath Keepers there, that this really worked to radicalize people that were within the base, that were, uh, that were angry, uh, that people were saying, even though it was for real, that Joe Biden had won the election and Donald Trump had lost because Donald Trump had, even before the election, called it rigged, called it fake, uh, and pushed back on any of the realities around that. And I think that that is where the committee is trying to draw right now are those those words that Donald Trump spoke that sparked something in people that ultimately led them to come to Washington, and that's what a part of that hearing was about. Now, the committee had also said that it had uh, obtained some uh, encrypted chat messages that showed members of um, of, of those different, um, maybe far-right groups like the, the Oath Keepers um, communicating with uh, Trump allies Roger Stone and Michael Flynn leading up to January 5th, but was was there anything that was uh, specific talking about coordinating actions at the Capitol? Well, I mean, look, there's a couple of different ways you can look at this. We knew that there were members of the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, or at least right-wing kind of extremist militias that had links and ties to uh, members of the Trump orbit, whether they were authorized or kind of non-authorized personnel uh, of the administration, because we know that they acted kind of as de facto bodyguards. But at the same time that uh, that this kind of radicalization was happening and that these right-wing groups were starting to, to ship people and ship weapons into the District of Columbia, we also had members of the of the Trump administration uh, and of the Trump campaign actively uh, having communications with each other about these kind of calls that the president was going to make for people to walk down to the U.S. Capitol for these quote-unquote unexpected announcements for what the president was doing. And I think that what the committee is looking at is these conversations with the groups, the conversations within the administration to prove that this was not just some spontaneous event where people ransacked and assaulted the Capitol, that this was a calculated move that had been building for weeks, if not for at least a couple of months. And I think that is going to play an yeah. important role here. Reggie Cicchini joining us this afternoon. Uh, there was a clip that was shown yesterday, um, former Attorney General William Barr um, recounting a story about uh, former President Trump asking to have the DOJ seize voting machines. Tell us about that. Well, and that plays into this kind of this this meeting that took place in the, in the Oval Office on December 18th that was that was filled with lunacy, uh, where you had Michael Flynn trying to get the president to declare martial law. You had a woman named Sidney Powell who would repeat the election lies at nauseum for weeks and weeks and weeks, telling the president to seize voting machines, an unconstitutional measure. All 
aimed at trying to let Donald Trump stay in power and ignore that constitutional peaceful transfer of power. And for the president at the time to try and put that kind of pressure, whether it happened or not, on members of the Department of Justice to kind of subvert what they have to do constitutionally and do what he wanted them to do, again speaks to the fitness, again speaks to the mindset, again speaks to everything that has been kind of looked at through a lens over the last 18 months since the uh, since the riot took place as to the coordination that, that members of the administration were actively a part of. Look, you have to remember, White House counsel Pat Cipollone was in on that meeting yeah. on the 18th, pushing back, saying, you can't do this. And the president was actively trying to go against his own counsel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. The president had a, the former president had a lot to say about last week's uh, testimony. Has he said anything um, following yesterday's? I mean, look, Donald Trump uh, is not a, a kind of a, a measured or reserved person, and he pushes out and, and lashes back using his uh, his personal kind of uh, social media site to put these these quote unquote truths out. Again, trying to simply mm. uh, push back on and and put in a lower place members of the administration. And I think, yeah, yeah. regardless of whatever the former president says about this, it is worth pointing out time and time again: these are Republican uh, Republicans coming forward to testify. These are not Democrats. These are members members of the GOP who felt democracy was at risk in America and they are coming out to ensure this doesn't happen again and that is um, that's a source of anger and a sore spot for the former president because it's Republicans and he doesn't have a dog in this fight because his own party is against him what happens next there will be a primetime meeting next uh, primetime hearing next Thursday it could be the last but it's going to focus on 187 minutes. What Mm -hmm. Donald Trump didn't do during the riot when he was sitting in the White House watching it on TV, that is going to play a clear role, potentially to more information on that potential witness interference. Okay, we'll be talking to you after that. Reggie, as always, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Reggie Cicchini joining us this afternoon. He is the Global News Washington Bureau producer. has been watching this uh, very closely over the past number of weeks.